We are in the fifth week of a series that we've called Shape Up, where we're taking a look at very simple shapes that can help us more clearly define what God is doing in our lives, but also help us more clearly describe what might be happening in others' lives. We've explored several, and today we're going to take a look at another one. But to start the shape, I want to start off with with a passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter 28. It's called the Great Commission. And, and in this passage, it says that just before Jesus was about to send, ascend into heaven, he called his disciples together and he said, listen, all authority has been given to me both in heaven and in earth. And then this is what he said. He said, I'm going to do the King James because I love the King James. He said, go you therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you, teaching them what I taught you. Show them what I've shown you. Model for them what I have modeled for you. And he said, if you do that, I promise I will be with you to the end of the age. How many of you know that scripture? Isn't that what Jesus said? That's what he said. Jesus is talking about the process of becoming disciples and making disciples. Disciple makers who know how to make disciples. That's what this whole series is about. Tools for discipleship. So, you know, I want to rehearse for some of you who weren't here and for others, once again, what a disciple is. What is a disciple of Christ? A disciple of Christ is a person who is a lifelong student of the life of Christ, learning to be like Jesus in character and do like Jesus in competency and skill. Dallas Willard, I love the way that he defines a disciple. He says, it's a person who is learning to be who Jesus would be if he were me. A disciple of Christ is a person who studies the life of Jesus so close that they are in the process of learning how to be if Jesus, who Jesus would be if he were me. Hmm. Jesus. Great people study great people. Jesus Christ is the greatest leader, the greatest follower the greatest teacher that the world has ever seen, that the world has ever known. And Jesus came here on mission. His mission was to rid the world of sin, of sickness, of disease, of poverty, of corruption, of pain and suffering and slavery, and to advance his kingdom in this world by filling this world with more disciples of Christ. And every true disciple is on mission with Jesus. That's why Matthew 28 is the great co-mission, because we are on mission with Jesus as disciples of Christ. Our commission as Christ followers is to make disciples who know how to make disciples until every corner of the earth is filled with disciples of Christ. That's our, that's our calling. So what does this look like practically? How can we accomplish this? I believe that Jesus left us a, a foolproof strategy 
of discipleship that he modeled for us as he met with his disciples over a three-year period of time. And so I'm going to illustrate this strategy today by using the shape of the square. In the square, it, there's, there's four sides, so it represents four stages of discipleship. And what's interesting about the square is that it can seem complex, but it's not, because our lives as disciples of Christ can seem complex, but it's not. They're not, and here's, here's why. Because as disciples of Christ, we are learning both to lead and to follow at the same time. We are being taught how to both lead and follow at the same time. And so is it any wonder that we get to model discipleship after the greatest leader and follower that has ever faced, that has ever been on the face of this earth? Jesus shows us. We're going to use a square to show you what that looks like. On the outside portion of the square, we're going to talk about leadership all the way across from the first square to for the first section to the, to the last section, L1, L2, L3, L4, that will stand for leadership. On the inside, you're going to see discipleship, D1, D2, D3, D4, and we're going to explain what that looks like. I love Jesus. I love his leadership style. He served those he led by functioning in different styles of leadership. The leadership that Jesus modeled for us is designed to help us grow as disciples, both in character, in, in being who we are, and in competency. And so, for us as disciples of Christ, as both leaders and followers, when we start anything, whether it's ministry or whether it's meeting with someone one-on-one on our job or, or, or on the street, or, or and at school, everything, when it comes to discipleship, needs to be viewed in the way that Jesus led people into a deeper, richer relationship with him. So now, to show you how this model works and how this principle works, I'm going to take some examples from the life of Peter. And the first example I'm going to show you of Jesus' leadership style is that he was very very directive. He started off very, very directive as he worked with his disciples. I want you to join me, if you have your Bibles, in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. We looked at this passage the other day. We're going to look at it again. Jesus is very directive. And he says, and this is what directive means. I'm going to model something for you I do, you watch. Listen to what happens. Beginning at verse, verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And then passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And they immediately, everybody say immediately. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately, everybody say immediately, immediately. 
he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired hands and hired servants and followed him. Listen, Jesus, Jesus is walking down the shore. He sees these disciples who are expert fishermen. And he tells them, come and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he's very directive because you don't see anywhere in this passage where the disciples are having a conversation with Jesus. He says, no, you come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Can you imagine if you was an expert fisherman and Jesus is walking down, you know, the, the shore and he says, hey, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Are you all excited? But you'd have some questions. First of all, Jesus, what is a fisher of men? I mean, how, how do you do that? Do you like dip net fishing for men? Is it like fly fishing for men? Is it like catch and release fishing for men? What does that look like? But you don't see these disciples, when Jesus has given them the directive, even having a conversation with Jesus because Jesus is like, look, I'm going to show you what to do. I'm going to model it for you. I do. You watch. The military, I believe, is probably one of the best forms of discipleship that you'll see. And I spent, as most of you already know this, I spent a lot of time in the military. I spent like 20 years, one day, three hours, and 15 minutes in the military. And, and at the end of my career, the last seven years of my career, I was a military trainer at the base level, at the wing level. So it was my responsibility to make sure that officers as well as enlisted continued with their, with their military education and was trained to the best that they could be trained. That was my responsibility. But I didn't start off there. I started off in Air Force basic military training. And if you've ever, how many in the military people, let me see your hands, military. If, now listen, if you've ever been in the military, you know that when you go to basic training, they're not about asking, you know, you asking them a bunch of questions on how to do things. T.I. is very directive, isn't he? Or she. You know what? Tomorrow morning we're going to be up at old dark 30. Got it? Old dark 30. They don't have time to argue with you. You're not going to look at the T.I. and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not used to getting up at 4.30 in the morning. Can we like set our watch to like 5.30, maybe 6 and give us a little grace? Military people laughing because you know that's not going to happen. Why? Because at that stage of your growth and development, it's very, very directive. In much the same way, Jesus was very directive with his disciples. And here's the, here's the application for us today. Listen, it doesn't matter if, if, if we're meeting someone on our job that says they want, they want to grow deeper in their relationship with God. Or maybe we're, we're in school and, and someone's compelled to come to you to, to inquire about your relationship with Jesus Christ. We cannot assume that based on their background that they know what it means to be a disciple. I, I had a conversation this week that was a reminder for me, of that truth. See, when people, when God sends people our way, we have to assume that we need to start at the very beginning to first of all make sure that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
I was told of a man that is teaching at a very high level, leading people, teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching. And when he was confronted about his own personal conversion experience, how he came to know Jesus Christ, he could not even say because he had never had a personal relationship with Jesus. Had never had one. He had been parroting other people's behavior all of his life. And so Jesus takes to the disciples, and the first thing he does, he says, listen, I'm going I'm to do what they do in basic training. I don't care if you come from high status or low status. I'm going to level the playing field and make sure that everyone understands the basics. You guys with me? Okay. So that's what Jesus does. Don't assume when the Lord sends someone to you that they're advanced around the square. Start with them from the very basic principles of discipleship. The second side of the square is usually the longest of the four phases. This is the foundational side. It's the most critical phase of development. This is the phase of discipleship where everything that we need to know and every new thing that we are learning needs a foundation to fall on, and this is where the foundation is built. This is the most dangerous part because this is where excitement and enthusiasm begins to wane because, because as we become more aware that we on our own don't have what it takes to fulfill God's call in our lives, we can get discouraged. And often we get discouraged and we want to go back to D1 where there was all this enthusiasm and excitement about just coming to Jesus. We want to revert and go back. So it's dangerous. It's a dangerous spot. In this phase of discipleship, we're most prone to become discouraged because we become, we become conscious of our inadequacies. And in this phase of discipleship, the leadership style is coaching. And this is what we see Jesus do. I do you help. I'm going to bring you along with me for the ride. Turn with me, if you will, let me give you an example of that. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. You guys with me? Man, I love this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. Now, Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000. He sent his disciples in a boat across the lake. Right? And I love what Jesus does here because verse 22 picks it up there. It says, and immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Everybody say, by himself. You're going to hear Eric Gonzalez talk about that next week, about what it takes to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. As we open up the triangle, Jesus went alone to pray, and when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way away from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came by. Then the fourth watch is between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning. And he came by walking on the sea. But when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they 
cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. All right, let me modernize this story for you. So, so you're in a boat, right? It's the perfect storm. Because that's what's going on. It's the perfect storm. Wind is howling. Waves are crashing, knocking over the boat. They feel like they're getting ready to capsize. And all of a sudden, you see the death angel walking across the water. Because <laughs> you know that's what they thought. They said they thought it was a ghost. So you see the death angel. So they start just screaming, oh, my God. And then Peter answers Jesus and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come. Direct me to come. You see that? To you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached down his hand and took hold of him, saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Here's what I don't want you to miss in this story. Now, I'm going to talk about D3 discipleship in a minute, where you are confident in your, in your, in your, um, in your abilities. You are confident in your relationship with him. That's where Peter was. But Peter stepped out on that water. And here's what I don't want you to miss. He's walking towards Jesus on the water. He's walking towards Jesus. And I believe, based on what the scripture says here, that Peter got all the way to Jesus. And he's walking with Jesus, and all of a sudden, a gust of wind hits him in the face, and he realizes, I'm not supposed to be walking out here on this water, man. This, this, this is not right, precious. And the Bible says, listen, the scripture says immediately he begins to sink. And, and the reason why I think that he was with Jesus and probably having a conversation with Jesus is because you don't see Jesus, it doesn't say Jesus went running to him and reached over and grabbed him. It says Jesus just simply reached down and picked him up. And then, and then I believe that Peter was far enough out that Jesus began to have a conversation with him. Hey, man, why'd you doubt? Can you imagine what Peter must have felt like in that moment? Can you imagine the shame he must have felt knowing that he's with Jesus? And how could he doubt when Jesus was standing there? But listen, Jesus begins to coach him. It's okay. Just have faith. All you have to do is believe. You can make it through this. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when we get to the darkest times in our life, we need a follower of Jesus Christ to come coach us through it. When we get to the darkest times of our life, we need Jesus there to help coach us through those difficult times, to pick us up when we are falling when we are about to drown. And that's what the, the second phase of discipleship is all about. Why'd you doubt, Peter? And so in that moment, Jesus extends to Peter grace. In the time that he needed it most. That's what coaching does. That's what Jesus did with Peter. 
That's what Jesus does to us. And then Jesus sends us people in our greatest time of need. You know, it was about a year and a half ago, and I was in a spot, man. I mean, I, I'm confident in God's call on my life. I'm confident that I knew where God was taking me, but I'm spinning because I'm not sure how to get there. About a year and a half ago, God sends Mike Pagano, a man with 30 years of leadership experience, many, many years as a pastor. And when I'm at that time where I need coaching the most, God drops this man right in my lap and begins to coach me through those things that I don't know about. Here I am, the pastor of the church, and I'm now a D2 disciple from an L3 leader. You guys following me? Hmm. What's your point, pastor? Here it is. God wants us to know that we need to trust and depend on each other. And we need to trust the spirit of God in each other in those times where we need him most. Okay. So now let's turn the corner from, from D2 to D3. And when we turn this corner, we turn the corner on our discipleship walk because that's, this is where we know that we know as followers of Jesus Christ. We are consciously competent. And, 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 the, and the leadership style there is pastoral. It's, it's consensus. I do, you help. This is a transformation from, from being just a follower and a servant of Jesus Christ to a friend. It's a totally different paradigm. It's a totally different dynamic. It's a place where you get to enjoy sweet fellowship and presence and conversation. It's still discipleship, but it's friendship, and it's much more because now the relationship becomes deeper and richer and more intimate. It's a place of brotherhood. See, Jesus didn't begin his ministry calling his disciples into this area of discipleship because he knew that if he had, it would have destroyed them. Think about the parable of the four soils. Remember the stones, the, 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 so, the, the seed that fell on stony ground? He said, and these are the ones that receive the word with much joy. But when the time of oppression and the time of testing and trials come, they don't have roots, and so they wither and they die. Jesus knew that if he started his disciples in this place, that they wouldn't have the root that they need for a solid foundation, and they would fall away. So now they're in a place of friendship with Jesus. Let's turn to John the 15th chapter. Let's take a look at what that looks like. John 15. Listen to how the dynamic has changed with Jesus' disciples. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than you lay down your life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And these things I command to you so that you will love one another. Here's the point. God allows us to go through pressures and storms and times of discouragement in life so we reach a point again to where we'll know how much we need him and how much we need each other. And it brings me to my fourth and final point. That's the fourth section of the square. On the outside, the leadership style is mentor, and delegator. You do, and I watch. And as a disciple, this is where we are unconsciously, we are unconsciously competent. Quick example of that. I meet with, every now and then I get a chance to meet with Dan Gerald, actually about once a week. And I'm going to tell you something, man, that guy has forgotten more than I know. And there are times where he's explaining something to me and I'll get that glazed look. And he'll go, oh, and he'll step back and he'll go back to D1, D2, D3 and explain to me the things that I don't know because Dan is an L4 leader and a D4 disciple. He is unconsciously competent. You get that? This is where we've had relationship with Jesus. This is, this is where it all kind of culminates in a deep, meaningful relationship with the Savior. Let's, for the last passage of Scripture to, to talk about this, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And then I'm going to close. Are you there? Did you guys get this? Yeah? Good. First Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Listen to Peter now. Listen, here's a guy. Man, wow. Can you imagine Peter writing this? He's, he's 70 plus years old as he writes this. He's writing from a perspective of a lifetime as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You can just feel the gravity and the weight through which he writes this passage. Check this out. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while it is necessary that you have been grieved by various trials so that the testing, the tested genuineness of your faith, much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation, the revealing, the being, the knowing of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. 
though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is unexpressible, inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. From a disciple where, where, where Jesus had to tell him everything to do to a disciple where now he's enjoying full, rich relationship with Jesus long after Jesus is gone. Melissa, if you'll come to piano. Jesus is gone now. But he's left behind a well-trained disciple who's perpetuating his life. He left behind someone who's answering the call of the Great Commission to go, teach, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching those that you come in contact with to obey the things that I have shown you how to do as my disciple. And when you do that, I guarantee you I'll be with you in it to the end of the age. Will you stand with me? As you looked at the four stages of discipleship today, where are you in areas of your life on that square? Where is it that God wants to press you into a deeper relationship as a disciple where you can grow out of, out of being just a disciple that is unconsciously competent? You just are lost in what's going on around you to a disciple that trusts fully in Jesus and allows him to grow you to where you are completely satisfied in relationship with him and have the character and the skills to lead others to him. What is God saying to you right now? What does he want you to do about it? I want to challenge you with something this week. I want to challenge you to do what Paul said for us to do, and that is for us to examine our lives. See where there might be areas of our relationship with Jesus that, that need some calibration. Surrender that to him and allow him to do a work in your life that will move you into deeper relationship. Now, as we close today, I don't want to assume anything. I don't want to assume that everyone here is a follower of Jesus Christ. And so maybe you're here for the first time and you're like, Pastor Greg, you know what? I don't know what this, this, this discipleship thing really is all about. I don't really, after listening to you, know if I ever have embraced the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You don't have to leave here the same today. Bow your heads with me.